Well, good morning, church. I'm glad to be back with you uh, on this uh, Sunday morning. It uh, really has been quite a week, uh, hasn't it? Uh, all the events that's been going on in the world, everything that we're going through, we definitely are going through an interesting uh, time of human history. Uh, just to know that, uh, just hope you will know that God's called you for such a time as this, uh, that God's placed you uh, where you're at in the different spheres, in your family, in your friends, in your coworkers, and your schools, wherever it is that you're situated for a specific time, for a specific reason, with this very specific message. So uh, keep the faith. I hope that you, you're living out the faith that you've been called to, uh, living out a life that's worthy of the calling that, that you received. And this week, as Jocelyn, as many of us have shared uh, this morning, is that our hearts are heavy. Our hearts are heavy for what's happening in the world. Uh, our hearts are breaking uh, for uh, the, the videos and the pictures and the different images that we're seeing in the world. And let's continue to pray uh, that God will make a way, uh, especially today as we uh, finish off our sermon series called Miracles When God Makes a Way. That we've been learning and seeing how when the people of God have been pressed up against with their wall at their backs against the wall, that we see God show up in miraculous ways, sending a very specific message to them and changing lives for the better, uh, redirecting lives towards God. And pray that this will be a time that God will perform a miracle. And Jocelyn, I love that. Uh, it's true that we've never been perfect uh, outside of the garden, uh, that we've been wrestling with sin and brokenness uh, for a very, very long time now, and that the veil has been placed over our eyes from the enemy for a very long time, and God's been stripping that away right now, right here. Uh, and and making us aware of our humanity and making us aware of um, uh, making us aware of the struggles that are very real in society and in our lives. So pray that God will make a way, that God will perform a miracle, uh, that God would, would bring uh, gardens from graves, as we sang uh, today, that God uh, will do only uh, what we can do. And as I was mentioning, it has been a tough week. COVID-19, we've been wrestling with that for a very long time now. Uh, this past week on June 4th as well, it was the 31st uh, um, commemoration of uh, Tiananmen Square, the massacre at, at Tiananmen Square, and the protests and the vigils that were happening, uh, vigils, sorry, that was happening out, out at uh, overseas. And then with all the, the riots and the protests that are happening in, in North America and around the world, and specifically the situation in the U.S., there's just so much unrest. Uh, so much weariness. Uh, the world is in, in such need of the voice of God, uh, the love of God, and, and justice uh, as well. And just pray that uh, for God to reveal to you uh, what that looks like in your specific uh, realms. Because we know that uh, as Christians, that we're not meant to take pictures with the word, but we're meant to live it out. Uh, that we're meant to live out what's in the word itself, that we're meant to uh, personify uh, the, the truths that we have, that we're to live out uh, from our hearts, from our understanding of who this uh, Jesus is, because Jesus, he is the perfect example of what it means to live perfectly. That Jesus is that perfect example of, of humanity. And this, a note, this, the talk, this, the, the term sermon this morning is kind of broken off in two parts, but it is tied to uh, Lazarus in John chapter 11. And and how he is raised uh, from the dead, and how God changes and performs that miracle uh, in his life. But just for us to understand that uh, Jesus is that perfect example, and he has a word to speak into our time uh, right now. That uh, For us to understand that all human life is made in the image and the likeness of God, that all of us have an intrinsic value, 
to us just because God has created us, not the extrinsic value of what we see on the outside, but the intrinsic, an intrinsic one where God says we are worthy, that we are loved because we're made in the image of our creator. So in a sense here, the battle that we're in, that the protest and the fight that we're in isn't as simple, I can say in that way, as, as uh, bad cops, good cops, uh, in corruption or, 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 or uh, how good uh, the, the government is and uh, cultural and political um, disputes. It's, it's, it's even bigger than all of that. That we're caught up in this this fight for our souls. Uh, we're caught up in this fight uh, against sin and the brokenness that that we that we see. That as Christians, that we're to fight and to stand up for what is true, what is right. But at the same time, we're not to judge because there's enough judgment in the world. Uh, we're to, we're called towards making change and bringing change into our culture, into our society. Uh, in the way that Jesus would do it, because I was saying that Jesus is the perfect embodiment of what it means to be human. And as a, uh, as an article in the Gospel Coalition says, uh, you can't understand humanity without knowing Christ. That Jesus uh, lived out perfectly what it means for us to be human uh, on this planet. The question that came up to me this week was like, "Hey, Doug, like as Christians, should we protest or should we not? Like, how should we stand in this time? What does it look like?" Uh, the short answer is yes, we can protest, but don't break things. Uh, don't go around causing more chaos and pain than there needs to be. Stand up for the truth that the gospel represents, for the biblical truth that, that God has called us to live out. It's very fascinating in scripture how Jesus lived this out. That when there was turmoil and when there was pain to him personally, we know that on the cross, we know that how he willingly went on the cross to die for the sake of humanity, that Jesus taught in, in Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, that he taught us that, 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 that we're to turn the other cheek. That when it comes to personal offense, that we're to turn the other cheek and that would uh, turn that person uh, uh, back towards God and that will reveal something in their own heart. But it's very fascinating. We also think of Jesus turning tables. Uh, on one side, he turns his cheek and he doesn't, uh, he doesn't stop the abuse that he takes on personally. But on the other side, he turns tables uh, in, in, in the temple. And so we get this understanding, uh, like we see in John chapter 2, that when others are experiencing injustice, uh, when others are experiencing injustice, or when the name of God is defamed, that we're meant to stand up for his name, uh, that we're meant to stand firm in our faith, that we're meant to speak up, that we're meant to bring justice uh, in the way that God has called us too, because ultimately our, we're aliens and strangers on this earth. We as Christians have this understanding that we have this dual citizenship, right? There's a, there's a quote here from uh, Pete Enns. Uh, he's a professor of biblical studies at Eastern University. And he throw that quote up. Christians by definition have dual citizenship. Following Jesus involves a counter political commitment, namely to declare full allegiance to Jesus as the true king. Uh, that's why we do membership. That's why we belong to a church. Uh, we're saying we, not, we don't belong just to a physical building, but we're saying we belong to God's kingdom. That's the meaning and the heart behind church membership. Uh, even if the regime you're living under, as Paul's Rome was, provides you with stability, safety, and peace, more so if people suffer or, or are disenfranchised by it. So in other words, even though we are meant to submit to governments, that's the way that God has taught us and has us to live, whether they're oppressive regimes or they're good, re good, good governments, that God has placed them over for a reason. And we've been going over that in community learning, that God is sovereign, God is good. He's in control 
of all things yet we're also even though we're to submit and to listen we're also meant to keep them accountable uh, that is our role as the church that is our role as the people of god that we are to speak up when god has given us a word and we're to speak up and rise up and to represent the real truths that we believe in in scripture not just to take, take pictures of it as we as i mentioned but to live it out uh, to go out and to embody it just as how jesus is the living word and he does it too and it's very fascinating to me that uh, what scripture really teaches in, in micah 6 8 what are we supposed to do he has shown you O mortal what is good and what does the lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our god with your god that that is what we're meant to do to act justly love mercy and walk humbly and and jesus embodied that perfectly that jesus lived that out for us and as you think about what true power is like there's a lot of talk out there about what it means to fight for the faith, what it means to stand firm and don't get caught up in what people are saying. Listen to what God is saying in this. And I don't believe there's one answer for every single one because of our context, but listen to what Jesus is saying to you. And I find it fascinating in scripture of how Jesus demonstrates power. Jesus demonstrates power by being on a cross, by washing uh, the feet of his disciples. Jesus demonstrates power by serving. And we understand that the image of power in scripture is a slain lamb on the throne. That is our image of, of power that Jesus represents for us. In Revelations 5, 6, then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of what? A throne. That is the image that we have, that it's a slain lamb standing and sitting on the throne. And you know what else is fascinating is that Jesus, instead of using bodily action to demonstrate his power, he, he is the word. He is the word, uh, the, the living word. He embodies the word of God. That, that, it, that the fight that he uses, the sword that he uses isn't a literal sword, but it's the word. It's his voice. And that the sword that Jesus yields is coming out of his mouth. That, that's the power that he shows here. Revelations 2.16, Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against them with what not with a literal sword but with a sword of my mouth that is jesus words that stand forever that he speaks truth into a specific time and place and as is as uh, he is doing right now or revelations nineteen fifteen, coming out of it what his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations who will rule them with an iron scepter he treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of god almighty that the power that Jesus demonstrates isn't only by action, but also by his words, that we can stand firm on his words, that he is sovereign, that he is good, that he is in control. So this week, I want to encourage you to listen to the voice of God, that in the midst of all the cultural change that we're going through, at uh, this very specific time in history, God has placed you here for a very specific reason. Listen to what he is saying to you. What is your role during this time because the voice of God changes people and the voice of God changes nations. Voice of God changes everything. As we'll see today in, in, in John chapter 11, in the story of Lazarus coming back from the grave. And the underlying big idea of today is this, that no matter what it is that we're going through today, no matter what it is that you've gone through that we're experiencing as a world, that our present doesn't have to declare our future. 
the, our present, what you're experiencing, what the failures, uh, the, the, the woes of our lives, our present doesn't have to declare our future because of the God that we follow. That our present situation, whatever it is you feel like you're confined by, whatever it is you feel like you're de defined by, it doesn't declare our future. Jesus does. His word does. It's whatever Jesus says will come into being, not what culture says, not what we even, what our hearts are tempted to believe in, but what God is saying. Because if you turn to your Bibles in John chapter 11, verse 38 to 44, that's where we're going to be at today. We'll see that the story of God is really a story of new beginnings, as if, as it is with Lazarus. The story of God is a story of new beginnings and new identities. That's what God speaks into his people. That's what God speaks into his, uh, his, his followers. That maybe at this time that God is doing something new again. Do you not see it? Do you not perceive it as Isaiah says that this God is doing something new in us? That story of God is a story of rebirth, story of newness, new beginnings, and new identities. And as Jess Lung shared, are we waiting and, and, and listening? And are we seeing what God is doing in our lives? Because in this passage, in John chapter 11, the disciples sure thought otherwise, because Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is, is really dead, as I'm about to get into the text here, that Lazarus wasn't kind of dead, but he was really, really, really dead. He's been dead for, for four days. Uh, and, and we're going to see Lazarus, even though he's dead and he's gone, and it seems like he's without hope, we're going to see how God redefines his life, that Lazarus isn't defined by what happened to him, but he's going to be defined by what God is going to do in his life. He's going to be defined by how Jesus is going to speak into his life. And, and there's a truth to that for you this morning, that no matter how impossible or how dead a situation may seem, God is not done. No matter how devastated the world is at right now, the state that we're in, no matter how terrible it may seem, God is not done because God has the final word. God has the final word in our life and God has the final word in our world. And some of you might be feeling like that right now where you're in an impossible situation. Uh, you feel like the world is going down. Uh, you're not sure what's going to happen next. And I just want to say this, that it's easy to trust Jesus in the light. It's easy to trust Jesus when everything is good when everything is fine, when everything is going well, but it takes faith to walk in the darkness. That it takes faith to walk during this time of struggle. It takes faith to walk in a time where you feel like things are dead and, 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 and lifeless when it's not going the way that you thought it's going to go. And we're also going to see today that sometimes we can be the greatest obstacle to this new beginning. Uh, that we can be the greatest obstacle to new beginnings, that we can actually be the greatest obstacle to seeing a miracle itself. That the, the disciples, if they listened to themselves and not to the voice of God, they would have missed the, the, the rising up of Lazarus. They would have missed the, the miracle all together. And we read this in John chapter 11, uh, 38, uh, starting in verse 38. Jesus, uh, once more deeply moved, again, he was talking to his disciples. Remember the scene in John chapter 11, uh, that he was, he, he showed, apparently he showed up late. Uh, Mary and Martha are saying like, if you came earlier, you would have saved Lazarus. But Jesus again is sovereign. He's good. He's in control. His timing is always perfect. And Jesus shows us that he has compassion for his people. This is the text, the chapter where we read of Jesus weeping. 
uh, for Lazarus, uh, his good friend that has passed on, and he sees the pain of, 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 of his people. And this is also the passage in John chapter 11 where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And do you believe this? And he charges that towards Mary and Martha. And he says that, do you believe this? Because watch what I'm going to do with Lazarus. Watch what I'm going to do with uh, your, your brother there. So Jesus, once more deeply moved, he came to this tomb. Uh, he came to the place of despair. He came to the place where the disciples have put this body into the tomb and left their hope there altogether. This tomb, this place where they left their hope, they left their dreams, they left whatever hope and, and thoughts that they had for Lazarus and for their life. Jesus met them there at the tomb, and it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. And he said this, take away the stone. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, reminding us again that Lazarus is really dead, that he's not coming back to life, uh, kind of setting the tone here, kind of setting a little bit of suspense. Uh, but he was really dead. It wasn't like it was kind of dead. And, and Martha said this, by this time, there is a bad odor, odor for he has been there for four days. Uh, that. Again, Martha brings on a very practical uh, reason for why they shouldn't open up the tomb. It stinks, right? It's been four days since the body has been dead. Uh, the, the body's in a time of decay already, that it's already too late for him. Why open this up? Why are you going to open this up when it's going to be a bad smell? But I think there's something a little bit deeper to that, that perhaps Martha didn't want to open up the tomb, not just only of the bad smell, but maybe of the memories of this. That Jesus has been four days since I've seen my, body, my, my brother's body. I don't want to be reminded of this pain. I don't want to be reminded of what's been locked away. I've already put it away. I've, I've left that place of despair. I'm walking around uh, trying to forget about it. I don't want you to open up this tomb. I don't want you to roll away this stone and Martha didn't think it was a good idea. And again, I was saying it's a very practical one, right? Like it stinks, but I think there's a very spiritual one, an emotional one as well that is tied deeper that she didn't want to revisit the pain in her life. And I'm thinking for us that and during this time that, that perhaps Jesus is telling us to remove the stones of our lives as well, that there's certain aspects of our lives that God is revealing to us through COVID-19 through the riots and the protests that's revealing about human humanity and civilization that we have been that we've buried for a very long time and that he's telling us to roll away the stone and be like hey let's expose humanity for what it is let's expose the stench of our sin for what it is let's expose what's been brewing underneath our lives for a very long time that you've been ignoring for a very long time and you're gonna come face to face with it today right now and all the excuses that we give Right, I would love to, but it's not the right time. I would love to, God, for, for you to reveal this in my life. But you know what? I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to talk to that person. I don't want to pray. I don't want to read scripture. Like There's reason after reason. And it may be very practical, too. But we can't let this bad odor and we can't let these bad memories stop us from seeing God. We can't let this bad odor get in the way of what needs to be done. Again, could you imagine that they never rolled away the stone? Uh, they would have missed the miracle altogether. They would have missed what God is doing in their lives. And I believe that's the same question for us this morning. The question is, are we more concerned with bad odor? Or are we more concerned with God's glory? Right? Are we more concerned with 
dealing with the sin of humanity and the sin of our own lives. And we don't want to deal with any of that. Or are we more concerned with, hey, God, your glory, your sovereignty, what you're doing in this world? Because he continues on saying in verse 40, then Jesus uh, said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? He's challenging his disciples right then and there that, do you not believe this? Like, did I not tell you? If you believe in me, you're going to see the glory of God. The same glory that filled up the temple in Second Chronicles when they dedicated the temple to, to God, that, that the weightiness of God's presence. Did we not say that if you believe, no matter what it is that you're going through, no matter the pain that it is that you have, you will experience the glory of God, the presence of God through this time of darkness, through whatever it is that you're going through. So are you more concerned with the bad odor that you're going to smell? Or are you more concerned with my glory? That's what Jesus is saying. Are you more concerned about yourself and even what you might be thinking? Or are you more concerned with what God is thinking and, and, and what he has a heart for? Are you more concerned with his glory or your own glory? So he challenges them to take away the stone. And for us, I believe we need to take away the stone too, that we need to talk about the issues in our lives with a close friend or family, whatever it is that we're dealing with, that we need to remove the stone and talk about and reveal the issues that we have. We need to address the deadness in society and in culture. We need to call it out for what it is. We need to smell the stench because for far too long, we've been smelling the goodness of whatever it is that we want to smell, uh, the lives that we built up around ourselves. But now when we, when, when we smell something that's a little bit off, what we do, we just, we just plug our nose. I, I was walking um, down the street uh, on Broadway the other day, uh, no, Robson the other day, and uh, there was a homeless person sitting on the corner there. And you could tell that that person hasn't had a shower in a very long time. And while well, I was waiting, uh, just standing on the corner, I was watching how people were walking by. It was fascinating. Some people walked by, I didn't notice. Uh, and, and, but yet there was one group of people uh, people that walk by and from maybe half a block already as they're approaching they could see him sitting there but as they walk back i walk past them they deliver like i'm not sure if they deliberately or subconsciously did it but they plugged their nose as they're walking by and as they as they walk back i'd hear them talk about saying man that's stinky man go get a shower or something like that underneath their breath and i was thinking well how long have we been disillusioned to the smell that we place on ourselves and be covering up a life that really hasn't been pleasing God, that we hasn't been following God, that we've been covering up with whatever perfume, whatever job we've been hiding under, whatever lifestyle that we've had. And now God has stripped that all the way. He's taken away the stone. He's revealed the deadness that's going on and we come face to face with it. And we need to smell the stench of humanity, but yet there is hope in all of that. Because God isn't heaping shame upon us just to say, look at this life that you're living. No, God is saying, you don't need to be afraid because Jesus isn't afraid. He, Jesus isn't afraid to get into our mess. That Jesus isn't afraid of the stench. He isn't afraid of the mess because Jesus can handle death. Because Jesus can handle sin. Because Jesus can handle brokenness and he can handle your messiness. He can handle whatever deadness and, and, and whatever life it is that you're going through, whatever struggles that we have. And we see this, that ultimately, again, it's the voice of God that changes everything. That ultimately, we can't be afraid of the smell when people need to hear the voice of God. 
Can you imagine again? Martha was afraid of the stench. That would have kept his brother from rising again. Uh, we can't let that happen. We can't let whatever self-perception or our thoughts that we have stop other people from experiencing the voice of God. Situations change when we hear the voice of God. But the voice of God is power. But that's how God speaks from the very beginning in Genesis that he spoke and the world came into being. That God didn't even need to move a finger. He simply spoke. And everything we have and everything we see came into being. And situations, the same as right now, the same as what you're going through, the struggles you've had in the past and the struggles you'll deal with in the future, simply hearing the voice of God changes everything. So in verse 41, so they took away the stone. They listened to Jesus. I'm thankful for this. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. Again, miracles point to a message, and the message is that Jesus is the Son of God. That miracles point to the reality of God, how God is for us and with us, and he's with his people. So verse 43, when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. I I choose to believe that... uh, Jesus didn't whisper it because he says it in a loud voice. But it's a voice of boldness. God's voice is a voice of confidence. The Holy Spirit has a voice of authority in our lives and in, 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 in our nation and in our culture. That in these simple three words, Lazarus, come out, these three words change Lazarus forever. Simply from that. That these three words, Lazarus, was changed forever. And I love this, that the voice of God is specific too. Lazarus, Lazarus, you come out. And that day, if your name was Bobby, that's not so good for you, I guess. Because it's very specific that commentators would say that if Jesus never specified Lazarus and just said, come out, all the tombs would just burst forth. But that day, Lazarus, he called on Lazarus and Bobby had to wait. For, for, for the second coming. But Lazarus, that day, Jesus said, Lazarus, very specific. And he's calling Lazarus to come out, to come back to life. And what's even more profound is that God's voice is so powerful that even the dead can hear. Not my voice, not anyone else's voice, it's that even the dead can hear. Physically dead, spiritually dead, whatever deadness you can think of, God's voice is so powerful that with the simple speaking of these three words, there is life that comes out and the dead can hear. No matter how impossible, no matter how far removed someone might be, no matter how uh, terrible the situation is, God's voice changes everything. And our future, our present, doesn't have to declare our future when God is with us, when God is speaking into our present. When God is speaking to our present, that's changing our future. And right now, I want to implore upon you and encourage you that what people need to hear most right now in our time, in our history, is the voice of God. That's what people need to hear. Not what, what, what people think, what, what, what people think is best, what, not what people think is right or wrong. People need to hear the voice of God. And what he is saying, because God is still calling out names today. Back in Lazarus' time, when God called out, Lazarus, come out, God, 
and just still calling out names today, still calling lives, countries, nations, societies back into life. Just like how Jesus called Lazarus back into life. He's calling me today. Douglas, come out. Lazarus, come out. Douglas, come out. Church, come out. Whatever your name is, God is saying to you this morning, come out of the tomb. Come out of your grave. Come out of whatever pain and despair, whatever anxiety, whatever hopelessness, whatever brokenness. Come out of your history. Come out of whatever it is that you're struggling with. Come out of the tomb that's been holding you for so long. Because the voice of God changes everything. That our present doesn't have to declare our future when we're walking with the Savior. When we're walking with the one that has control and power over all things. So I'm asking you this morning. It's been a long week and it's tiring to listen to what's happening in the news and social media and around the world. But have you been listening to the voice of God this week? And what is God saying to you? And maybe at this moment, you're so tired that you're close to throwing in the towel. Or maybe you've thrown in the towel already. But we're hearing this morning clearly the voice of God that he is saying, your days of ministry aren't over. Your days of life, just as he said to Lazarus, your days of life aren't over. Your days of serving aren't over. Your days of making a difference aren't over. Because I say so. Because Jesus says so. Because the Holy Spirit speaking life into you right now. That your days aren't over because God is in control. God is sovereign. That he is con- going to continue to use you to change people and situations around you. That God is with you no matter what. Psalm 23 verse 6. Surely your goodness and love will follow me. What? All the days of my life. For the people that listen and follow God. Surely the goodness and the love will follow you. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever so you might have messed up that relationship you might have messed up that conversation you tried to have with your family or your friend you might have failed that exam you didn't get into that program maybe again that relationship didn't end the way that you thought you at this moment wherever it is you're listening to might be sick and you might be near death right now that there are people persecuting you, that the world might seem like it's going down, but God is saying to you this morning, it's not over because I am with you. That even at the end of the day, when, you're, when you breathe your last breath, you breathe your first in eternity with me. That you are never going to, to just disappear. You're, you matter in my life. That God is saying it's not over because I'm not done with you. And church, I want to say this to you this morning, that our job isn't done. Because for some of you, you've heard of this message before and you're saying yes and amen. But for those who are saying yes and amen, you have a job this morning. You have a job this week. God has called you to a specific reason in this specific season. It continues on in verse 44 that we understand this. And new beginnings begin with unwinding what binds. But the people around had a role in helping Lazarus. The new beginnings for some people, as you bring about change and justice and love in our society, that your role is to unwind what's binding up people. That, that's what God has charged you up with. In verse 44, the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and the cloth around his face. So he couldn't see, he couldn't walk properly. He's stumbling out of this grave. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Church, that is your call this morning. That is your call to go out to take off the grave clothes 
and to let him go. As some of you are already free, you're out of the tomb. You have a job to do still. As you're dancing in the freedom of God, you have a job to go out and help others be free. Your, your job is to go out and to help take off the strips of linen. linen. To start unraveling the strips around them. Strips of self-doubt. Strips of self-hatred. Strips of self-worth. Strips of shame. Strips of guilt. Strips of the mistakes that they have made that you're going out and helping to unwind what's binding them. And that is your call this morning as you move forward. And here's the thing, guys. This new life that we experience, it might not happen on the first day. It didn't for Lazarus. It didn't happen on the second day. It didn't happen on the third. But it happened on the fourth for him. But I want to say this. That for those of us that follow Jesus, it might not ever happen on this, this side of heaven. That you're going to continue on with your struggles and your, with your pain. And that is what God has called us to. And that's what God is with us in. But no matter what, we can trust the voice of God because out of his mouth, if you declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that, Christ, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that is the promise from the very mouth of God himself. That the God that we follow has power over the grave. Ultimately, later on, we know this, that he raised himself from the dead, that nothing can stop him, that God can't not perform a miracle in, in, in anything. Nothing stops him from being God, that he's calling you back to him this morning. He's saying, whatever you need a miracle in, Whatever it is you're searching for, I am the answer. I am the one that you're looking for. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the light. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am everything that you have been looking for. So come to me and listen to me. Again, I want to say that there's a call for us this morning. And I believe that with any movement, with any change in society, any time where the church has risen up, in history to make a change. I believe we're in a very pivotal point right now. It starts with not what we need to do out there, but it starts with our heart, a heart of repentance, a heart where we say, Jesus, start with me. Bring this new life in me. Bring this change in me. Bring about this life in me because we, I, we understand that this world ultimately does not satisfy. That God, you're the only one that we can look for. And my hope is only found in you. So church this morning, I believe I want to lead us in a time where, and you can flip to the next slide there, that it's the Lord's Prayer. That as a time for you to respond this morning, again, that as we usher in change, as God's ushering change through us in the world, that we're saying, God, start with me. Allow us to hear your voice this morning. And what is our role in our, in our time right now? So if you could read on that screen what we're going to do together. Uh, you don't have to unmute your mics, but I'm going to trust that you're reading. And that, that you're going to read the Lord's Prayer together. And this will be our confession. And this is our repentance. That God would do only what he can do. That he will fill us again with his spirit. And that he would use us um, in accordance to his word. So count of three. You read along with me. Uh, and we will recite uh, the Lord's Prayer together. One, two, three. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. So Father, this morning as we come to the end of this series, God, we have come to realize that only you can perform miracles in our lives. And Jesus, in this time, in this age, in this time of human civilization, in history of humanity, we need you now. We've never not needed you, Lord, but we need you now more than ever as we feel like what we're going through in our generation and our time. So God, we repent as a church for the times that we have not spoken up, for the times that we have not lived up to the name of Jesus Christ. And Father, we pray that you will forgive us. And we thank you that you have forgiven us. And I pray, God, that you will use your church to bring about the change and the healing that the world needs so desperately desperately right now. But Father, we pray that you use your church, that you would use us to speak a word into your generation, into this time that will break the bonds of death, that will bring the chains of segregation, that will break the chains of racism, that will break the chains of hostility, that will break the hands and the control of the enemy because your voice is greater, your voice is power. And we believe once again, Father, that we need your spirit this morning. And may you fill your temple, that is our body, afresh this morning with the power of your spirit to be reminded, God, that if you are for us, who can be against us? And may we go forth and live a life that is worthy of the calling that we have received. So thank you, Jesus, for loving us. Thank you, Jesus, for calling us. Thank you, Jesus, for raising Lazarus from the grave and for showing us, as a, showing us an example that truly you're unstoppable. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.